Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of High Action. This is season two of our podcast. This is episode number 25. My name is Perry Smith. I'm joining you from Brooklyn, New York. And as always, I'm joined by my associates in the New West Guitar Group. Let's start with John Story out in Studio City. Hello, John. What's new from What's new from uh, Los Angeles? Oh, man, it's beautiful out today. It's gorgeous here. Here we are already into March. Yeah, nice, dude. And Will Brom, also in Los Angeles, down in Long Beach. What's happening, bro? What's going on? What's What's on the plate for today? Man, on the plate for today is, is something exciting. I've been looking forward to this episode. We're going to talk about harmonic improvisation. So that might be a term that some people haven't really heard before. Essentially, it's an approach to playing sort of free jazz or improvised, truly improvised jazz. And yeah, we've all had various experiences with this, and I thought it would be kind of a fun topic for us to dive into. Um, before we get too deep into that, though, I just want to give a shout out to uh, our partner and sponsor today. Um, we're going to feature the wonderful Hendrickson Amps. We've been a big fan of Hendrickson for a lot of years. They're based out in Arvada, Colorado, and they've been huge supporters of all three of us and our group for a lot of years. Um, in 2005, they were founded by Bud Hendrickson, and um, the keys to their success have been manufacturing their own facilities to keep quality control as high as possible and using all analog designs to preserve tonal integrity and 100% commitment to the absolute best customer service in the industry. We vouch for these guys, so if you are in the market for an amp and you are a jazz guitar player, really any kind of guitar player, I would check out HendricksonAmplifiers.com. All right, dudes. So, how many of you guys like to improvise? Huh? <laughs> Nobody? Sometimes that's Bueller. Thing, you know? Jazz, right? It's, it's improvised music, and I think sometimes we get into areas of jazz where we're almost more like classical musicians. We're working so hard to play things exactly as we practice them. And, you know, I think what turned me on to jazz was this idea that it could be totally improvised. And so when I was in college and I heard this record by Ornette Coleman, the saxophonist Ornette Coleman, called The Shape of Jazz to Come, I was like blown away. I remember it was like sophomore year of college and I had never heard this before. And somebody hit me to it. And I was just like, wow, this is all just essentially freely improvised. And that was, a, that was a game changer for me. I thought, wow, this is a really inspiring way of playing. And I wonder what it would unlock in me if I investigated this a little bit further. So I wanted to bring this topic of harmonic improvisation to the podcast. Uh, let me start with John. Um, you went to CalArts after SC, and you got to study with Charlie Hayden, who is on the record, Shape of Jazz to Come, with Ornette Coleman, and was a huge figure uh, in the creation of this harmonic improvisation. Talk a little bit about like the spirituality that uh, Charlie Hayden shared with you about improvisation. Boy, yeah. Um, you know, kind of like... Joe Diorio, who we did a two-part interview on. I mean, we could yeah. do two-part, three-part, four-part episode on Charlie Hayden alone. Yeah. I mean, Charlie, um, such a wonderful musician, and um, that rare combination of like um, 
the pinnacle of of artistry and teaching. Just the way he taught was so perfect for his artistry. Um, yeah, and I I knew like when I was given the opportunity to study with Charlie, I knew that it was going to be just a, a total adventure and something way different than where I had come from because I was trying to play really straight ahead and always always had been a super straight ahead guitar player and. Of course, Charlie was a fantastic straight-ahead jazz musician, too. But the thing that really sort of changed my mind about playing free when I studied with Charlie was that he really taught that free improvisation is not musicians just playing free, playing whatever they want, playing completely spontaneous. It's the idea that we are totally in the moment and create something which brings out the freedom in the listener and the person experiencing the music. And I, I loved how he talked about that, how, um, because it's, I think free jazz is such a misunderstood topic. And I mean, it's almost humorous how misunderstood it is in the popular sphere. I mean, people, a lot of people think that all jazz music is just free, right? I mean, that's kind of the right. joke about jazz right. music. Yeah, that famous quote from The Office where, the, where they're talking about jazz being just all the wrong notes, you know. <laughs> Um, but which is hilarious and, and, but jazz, you know, as we know, as all of us listening to this podcast know, it's, it's, it's incredibly detailed. And at the same time, you know, as jazz musicians, if we're really honest with ourselves, I think we all can, will will admit that it's rare that we get to a place where we're completely free in our improvising and those moments are just like these little diamonds that we we hit and it has to be at the right time with the right kind of musicians and everyone has to be really listening and you know your your musicianship you have to be on a certain level so charlie right away tried to break that barrier with all the students in that class and man he kept us on our toes i mean we were doing activities like outdoors listening to sounds outside we were you know playing our instruments and doing all sorts of weird things. You know, he insisted we tried different tunings on, you know, guitar, yeah. which is always fun. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, studying with him was, was a real thrill. Unfortunately, um, his, his illness came back pretty hard in my spring of my first year doing my MFA. And then right. we, we sadly lost Charlie that year. And, um, I was there the last day he was on campus and it was, it was pretty remarkable. He, yeah. he just, I, you can almost tell he kind of knew that was sort of the end for his teaching. And, um, remember that, yeah, remember I, that got, Charlie, I got a ton out of that. Yeah. Remember that Charlie Hayden Memorial concert we both attended in New York? That was the town hall. That was yeah. Epic. So yeah, it gets down and I'm going to discuss it in detail a little bit here, but it gets down to like sort of freeing <laughs> yourself of a lot of the conventional barriers and really just trying to get into the natural flow of improvising. Um, Will, you know, before you joined the group, we had some moments in New West where we did like fully improvised concerts, mm -hmm. but we haven't done that since you've been in the group. But what kind of experiences have you had so far in your career when it comes to like playing free jazz as it's known? Well, the first time I really encountered hearing harmonic improv was, as you mentioned, Ornette Coleman. I was listening to Song X. Yeah. And... You know, I was like, I think this was 2008. It was a sophomore in college, and I was going through the Pat Metheny catalog, and I was like, wow, there's like no chords. It's just these like interweaving lines. Like it, if you close your eyes and you listen to the way Pat and Ornette play together on that album, yeah. it's very visual in the way that yeah. it's just this weaving. And then these like really tight uh, solis or melodies, mm -hmm. and then 
and then de-weaving. So that was my first encounter. And of course, I was like, well, that's different. Um, and I think when, you know, if you're having a session with some friends and you're playing over a tune that I always like think of a certain tempo, like something like right there seems like a really good uh, vessel for for just removing any like chordal zone and just seeing where the lines take you. Mm. Um, and of course, you know, there's great recordings like with Larry Koontz and Joe LaBarbera, where it's just those two guys playing and Larry's, you know, har melodic, har rhythmic improvisation over the bar line. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of that, of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, um, you know, prior to Ornette Coleman sort of coming out with this, um, conventional jazz harmony was pretty much religiously chord based, right? So you would approach a tune by looking at the harmony and sort of staying in that lane for the most part. Now, that sort of puts the priority of how you improvise uh, in a certain light because you're really trying to negotiate harmony and, and rhythm kind of at the same time. You might kind of oscillate between what you're prioritizing more in those zones. So sometimes because of that, melody kind of ends up taking a bit of a back seat. And I think what Ornette Coleman decided was, oh, well, let me do a group that has saxophone, trumpet, only bass, Charlie Hayden, and drums, in the case of Ed Blackwell, and remove a harmonic instrument from the equation. And let's let the rhythm and the melody come to the top of the priority, specifically melody. And so this idea that harmony is not going to control the roadmap of how we improvise, but rather melody and rhythm and this sort of spontaneous uh, give and take between all the musicians will determine the harmony. Now that I find super fascinating because it's not just about playing like avant-garde free jazz. It's about necessarily staying in a zone that is established through the melody on the bass and the melody of a horn or a guitar or whatever, and also the rhythm of the drums. So it kind of blew the door wide open when it comes to um, the influence it had on jazz. And I'm so grateful for um, Ornette Coleman and this influence because think of what that's done now to how musicians approach playing harmony. They have a much sort of wider, more liberal approach with harmony, I think as a result of someone like Ornette Coleman. So I'd like to play a quick example of um, one of his songs it's called RPDD, and this is just a quick minute and 30 seconds so you can hear a little bit of uh, a melody and how Ornette goes into soloing after the melody statement. So here we go. Thank you. 
there you have it, man. Mm -hmm. Arnett, you know, just that singing, beautiful melody. It's almost like he's crying out on the instrument. Um, that's that's always resonated with me. And I I know John, like I was mentioning to Will, but like back in the day when we were trying to get into this as a group, we just decided, fuck it, let's just do <laughs> let's just do the whole second half at Kumba Jazz Center. Let's do the whole second set free. Yeah. How'd that yeah. turn out for us? <laughs> well, well, on that tour, we were listening a lot to Keith Jarrett. I remember That's that, true, I, think yeah. that I think Tokyo Solo 2005 was the record we were listening to, which is the double disc back when we had discs, double disc of Keith playing free, you know, and then at the end he does Don't Worry About Me, standard. You right, know? Right, it's like right, a bonus right. track. And and yeah, we, we, we kind of had a reckless abandoned man. I'm so glad we did that. I, I'm, I'm so glad we went through that period together as kind of young bucks like really going for that and uh yeah i mean you know, i can't really remember what the audience reaction was overall i i think there it, there definitely were some nice moments in that concert and you know we were definitely solidifying our our connection as a group back then when that was the quartet it was one of the last quartet tours wasn't it perry it might have been like that. It was a little yeah. self-serving, um, but mm -hmm. I think that we had a lot of moments prior to that where we did like free improv stuff, even in the middle of the tune. So it wasn't yes. out of left field for us, yeah. but it is an important thing to, to work towards because, you know, when you remove that element of sort of de predetermined harmony and everything is wide open, it's not always going to sound good all the time you know like yeah. there's going to be moments where it can sound a little off and when i were listening to that track uh, one of the things that really stands out is just how much communication is going on between the drummer or mm. coleman playing sax and also charlie hayden right so like yeah. they're all just communicating so effectively in a melodic way even ed blackwell on the drums he's playing melody is on the drums and i think like yeah. it's all serving the harmony and the and the <laughs> Uh, and the song and the forward motion of the song. The other thing that's hard for us to gauge is if we were to do that concert today, yeah. imagine how much more restraint we would really give ourselves to really do that, you know? And right. back then it was more like, let's just go for it and let's just run with it. And it was more visceral. And now I feel like we would, we would give it a lot more time to develop really the harmonic idea that we're doing collectively. Yeah. And, um, it's hard to use the word restraint when you listen to that track, but man, the way Ornette is playing, I find there's a lot of restraint in the way he's playing right there in the space and that interaction. You yeah, know, a lot of great melody. Using, yeah, yeah exactly. And so for those who've never listened to this music who at first kind of have the reaction of like, I don't know what this is, and it just kind of sounds like static to me, you, you know, I feel like that's oftentimes a big reflection of the listener yeah. as somebody that maybe hasn't quite felt within them where they measure restraint with the music it takes it takes a lot of development as a musician to uh, to really start feeling the restraint that we build within ourselves you know absolutely and um that's a good segue for this next track because i want to play uh, an example of me playing over rpdd at a session from many years ago and probably not using enough restraint probably could have channeled more melody but when you're in the moment, you just kind of have to be in the moment and, and allow whatever is going to flow through you to happen. And so 
Here's another little example of uh, me playing with a quartet, although you're only going to hear the bass and drums and my guitar playing on this track. Here we go. I like about this approach is that it can almost be easier or more natural to be like thematically develop your lines because you're not thinking about where the harmony is taking your line. You're really just focusing on your melody. You know, you're really just focusing on what you're doing in that moment. There's no other elements uh, of harmony that are pushing your lines in other directions. So to the extent that you're listening to the bass and trying to match into that harmony, uh, it can be a really rewarding and fascinating way to improvise. And I think oftentimes for the listener, that results in a more engaging uh, concert to hear or more engaging music to take in. So yeah. let's try a little bit of this, all three of us. Um, I want to start with you guys. I sent over some tracks in an email mm -hmm. prior to our recording today. <laughs> so I would love to ask Will if you want to start out uh, on one of them. Now, these these guys have never heard these tracks. Okay, I emailed it to them right before, and they're going to try to improvise over them, and we'll just see what happens. So this is the closest we could get via Zoom to doing <laughs> our melodic improvisation together. Um, so, Will, do you want to start, start on one of them? Do you want to pick one, two, or three? I will start with track one, and if the sound is really off, then just cut me off mid-solo. <laughs> do, you know, do you know how to share screen, Will? Have we taught you that yet? Uh. <laughs> Let oh, you just using, click you're play. Using the, using the I app. got okay, Farage. Yeah, yeah. Using the app, yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, man. Nice. Cool. Cool. Yeah. That was funky. Uh, John, you're up now, man. Which one do you want to choose? You know what? Why don't I give number two a try? Okay. And yeah, I I have definitely not not heard this one before, so I kind of always clear the air with that opening chord. Let's (laughs) Let's see here. Here we go. You guys are playing real melodic. That's tasty. All right, I'm gonna <laughs> harmelodic, harmelodic, exactly. Melodic. I'm gonna try and jump in here on the third track I sent. Let's uh, let's give this a shot. Here we go. a question yeah yeah pose it well the, you know this is kind of rounding back to what you mentioned last month does does melody inform rhythm does rhythm inform melody um i felt that the rhythm was informing more of my melody is that good is that bad i don't know but that's what i felt when i was doing it mm-hmm. man it's, it's um, really funny that you mentioned that because this week, in preparation for this episode, I've been thinking more and more about that very mm-hmm. question that we sort of wrestle with. And I don't know if there is a right answer, um, but, man, I, I really feel like if melody can be the priority, um, mm. then that, that, is the, that is the divine path. <laughs> I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, because, you yeah. know, for so long, we're all taught that rhythm should dictate your melody. Um, 
But it really, I have to credit Larry Koontz uh, when I last took a lesson with him. And it, he didn't even call it a lesson because he wouldn't let me pay him, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> but I remember asking him, like, about that. And he goes, you know, I actually think that melody dictates all of that because melody tells mm. you where your, where your spaces are. And melody tells you what your story is. And melody tells you the narrative. And it tells you what the, you know, the dynamics should be and all these things. Mm that I think can um, sometimes get lost if rhythm is the main priority. doesn't mean that they mm-hmm. do get lost. It just, maybe mm-hmm. it's a different way of looking at the same thing, Well, You know, it's not necessarily wrong or right, but yeah, I think in the spirit of this episode, I've been feeling like melody is the, is the ticket. John, mm-hmm. what do you think? Well, certainly just that experience right now, um, I was more inspired to explore the the laying back, the swing kind of vibe with playing really straight and playing and then locking in with you and bringing out those contrasts because yeah. those contrasts to me informed me to play different melodic ideas and different ranges. So just in that moment right there, it was almost like the feel was dictating my melody a little bit. Mm. And certainly I I feel like this issue, like what we're talking about, melody dictating rhythm, rhythm dictating melody, in like a group setting, if I'm playing with a drummer that is just making it feel so good to play, you know, then a lot of times, yeah, the rhythm is really driving how I'm choosing to play melodic. If I'm not playing with the drummer and if I'm kind of the person in the group that seems to be tethering us down to the time feel, then a lot of times how melodic I'm playing dictates how the time feel is being projected to other musicians. So it is interesting. I I think as I'm going farther, I would think about that the exact opposite. You said Mm -hmm. if you weren't playing with the drummer, Mm-hmm. Your melody would dictate your rhythm, but if you were playing with the drummer, your rhythm would dictate your melody. Yeah, like playing with a really great drummer, just it, it's just it's so um, magnetic to play rhythmic in that yeah. s- situation. And I I want to like experience. I want to get close to that level. I, like you know, I I recently played with Jeff Hamilton, and like Jeff is so swinging, and yeah. it's. It's so powerful playing with him. Yeah. Um, he just, he, it's almost like going to see a good chiropractor. You, you know, he just like, well, there, I'm fixing that part of your time and fixing that part of yeah. your time. And, and so for me, in that case, I was playing more rhythmic and that was really dictating kind of the, the phrasing and the choices I was playing. And sometimes when I'm, when I'm in a situation where I feel like I'm, I'm the most supportive musician. Maybe it's a teaching situation or I'm playing duo with a a new vocalist that is, I haven't worked with before. Um, Then in a lot of times I try to be really melodic and, and, and let that kind of drive how I'm feeling the time. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting as I'm going point being, as I'm going farther into this career, that is definitely a dimension that I was not very aware of 15 years ago, you know, I, I was just trying to play with good time, you know, and yeah. like play with like a rhythmic concept. But now I realize these are, these are elastic things. These are variables that we can change. And even just right there, that was more of an exercise playing number two on there. That was an exercise in, in contrast of, of, of rhythm for me and, and feel against the beat because I felt like you were playing very clearly right. this beat. And I wanted to kind of, interact with that and that was more the point of of what i said artistically right there so yeah 
a lot of my inclination is that you have to sort of establish the ability for rhythm to dictate your melody before you can actually get to a point where melody just sort of reigns supreme over the mm-hmm. way you play. Because when I hear Ornette Coleman, I hear just someone who is just enveloped in a melodic way of playing, and so is everybody else around him. Yeah. And I would even say to your experience with Jeff Hamilton, he's also a very melodic drummer too. Of course it's going to feel great, but he's super melodic as a, as a musician. So, um, Will, I'm actually curious for you to try another one of the tracks. Do you sure. have them all three queued up? Yeah, should I pick number can, three? Can you try number three? Because part of the issue with number one, which you may have felt was like locking you up more rhythmically, was it, it is like the <clears throat> fastest one. And, right. you know, it's right. sort of, I was... You know, it gave not, me a lot rhythmically to feed off of. I mean, I, I was like kind of deliberately trying to punctuate yeah. the offbeats, and that definitely informed whatever yeah, yeah. crap came out of my fingers. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, try the third one and see, see okay. if you can put yourself in a place of melody and see if that changes anything for you. Here is number three. Definitely the most melodic of the day, I think. Well, and I think I had to kind of remind myself to do that and think more thematic melodies. Maybe maybe my inclination when I pick up a guitar, if I'm encountering something I don't know, like my defenses might be high and it's just like the hands start moving, you I, know? Believe me, I feel you, man. Like, yeah. And if there's one thing we can all take away from today, it's just the power of melody, right? And, you know, if you can take this harmonic approach to how you approach playing harmony, you know, then all of a sudden those possibilities seem a little bit more wide open. Um, so anyway, this would be a fun little topic today and it got us playing a lot, which was always fun. And uh, yeah, I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us each and every week. It's been really exciting to see the podcast grow. Um, we're just seeing a lot of people downloading the whole thing and we're getting close to another landmark of 30,000 downloads for our podcast. So thank you, everybody, who's been part of this community. And a special thanks to people who signed up on Patreon. Um, You're really helping support this podcast and this community directly. And so if you're interested in seeing some behind-the-footage stuff, the video footage of the podcast, and just diving deeper into what we're doing here on High Action, please join us on patreon.com slash newwestguitargroup. And Will, you have anything you want to add? 
Instead of the theme song, can we all harmonically improvise together to exit this episode? To, to blues for Bubak? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. Yeah. It's going to sound great. All right, here we go. Um, before we go, though, I have to say next week <laughs> is going to be John's leading an episode on his favorite microphones. So definitely stay tuned for that. And through the powers of Zoom and the... <laughs> The uh, latency that's going to follow. Yeah, let's let's see how uh, how this goes. Here we go. Does All latency right. dictate rhythm? Dictate melody, or does melody <laughs> dictate rhythm? Dictate latency. That's what we're about. To hey find man, out. there's no latency. I'm just laying back. All right, bro. Mm-hmm. Deal with yeah. it. All right. Latency. See Such you, a beautiful name. See you guys next week. <laughs> that up. Oh, that's good. <laughs>